Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS. 1220 and 98.1. Okay, everyone. Well, each week, this is the Ask Brian radio show, spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, also located at askbrian.com. You want to go to the website and find out any information. We've been doing this show now for over, over five and a half years, and each week we try to teach people something about business. Either we'll have a startup company where they can show you how they went from zero to gazillion dollars, or we have somebody that'll teach something about a specific business subject. Now today, our normal engineer is unavailable today, and we have the big cheese, the big whopper, the big and only, Andrew. Hey, hey, good to be back. Glad to be back. Original. Original. Of the Aspirant Show. Yeah. Coach Tunic is going like, what? Right? Flashback. (laughs) Flashback, Yeah. And I didn't even do anything. Anyway, <laughs> no drinking for me. But each week, we always try to explain to people why we spell Brian with an E. Because Brian is spelled B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-N. Very few people spell Brian with an E. Of course, there's a lot of people in Ireland named O'Brien. And they're all spelling the name O-B-R-I-E-N. So they'd have the E. But we're not named after an Irish pub. We do have a lot of interest, though, in pubs, but without any further ado, we want to ask Mr. Andrew, what on earth do we use the word, what is E, for ask Brian? What do they stand for? There's a lot of words out there. So let's go over one at a time. Education. So why why do we have education? Because we need to learn things. (laughs) (laughs) Because each episode, we try to teach people something about business. Okay. That's right, guys. Ask, ask the experts. That's correct. Because why? They have experience. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now he's combining experts and experience. Now, Look at that. You do have to have experience to be an expert, but there are some unicorns out there that may not have a lot of experience that we will allow them to become an expert. But, and is it because they excelled in their field very early? Well, they're excellent like Bill and Ted's <laughs> excellent adventure, but not everyone is that excellent. But they do have excellence, and they have excellent skills and excellent background to assist us. Right. And another one, you can't just be a bump on the log. You have to be excited. And enthusiasm! Wow. Where did that come yeah. from? Oh, Lord. I thought you had given that up. <laughs> Lent is over. <laughs> All right. We're back to it. That was just for Lent. <laughs> All right. What other reasons why we would use the letter E? Well, we hit them, but the most important of all, you can't do this without the engineer. Uh, That's me. Well, that's one of them, but we are, like Grease Lightning, we are... Electrifying! Electrifying. (laughs) My favorite! From Grease Lightning. Is that all the E's you got? That's all the E's I got. All right. Well, without any further ado, and that's spelled A-D-I-E-U, and the reason why I like it is... It's all vowels except for the D. But without any further ado, yeah. we do have a good guest on today, as we do each week. 
We have our co-host, Tracy. Tracy, say hello. Hello, everybody. So excited to be here, as always. All right. Sounds like the wind. Yes. I think our, our guest microphone has a little extra wind sound effect with it today. Well, you shouldn't be on the sailboat next time. <laughs> anyway, and then we have our guest today, and his name is Robin. Robin, you there? Yes, I'm here. And uh, you walk around with Batman, right? I do. I do, but, uh, you know, Rob, Robin is a very important part of, of that group. Well, obviously. You <laughs> very important right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Robin, let's go over a little bit about your background. So, you do have a, back, uh, a very interesting background in finance. So, you went to college, and where are you from, by the way? Because you have an interesting accent. I never heard that before. I'm from Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. So, uh, I came here 20 years ago when I was uh, 35. And I had an opportunity to join a CPA firm in Los Angeles. So they sponsored me to come and work here. So it was an opportunity, an adventure. And uh, I uh, I worked for them for three and a half years. And uh, thereafter, I took a position as a controller, CFO for a consumer products company called Elixir Tonics and Teas. And uh, they made herbal tonics. They had a storefront in Melrose, and they distributed these tonics throughout the U.S., and they're owned by a listed company in Singapore called Yang Sang. And um, a couple of years later, Yang Sang sold that company to a private company. So my position got eliminated. But um, I continued consulting to them. And while I was looking for some new opportunities, I got a lot of consulting jobs, implementing and supporting business management software, which I had a lot of experience in. So I'm, I'm a CPA. I have an MBA from Cape Town. And my background is in accounting and software consulting. So I was, I was doing a lot of consulting, implementing business management software. And um, that just, you know, just getting more projects and that kept growing. So I stopped looking for a job. I got an office. I employed someone. And that, uh, you know, it's continued to grow. But uh, one of the things that, that we do in that company, we also do outsourced bookkeeping and accounting. And uh, a few years ago, uh, we took on a client called Albany Farms, and that company has just grown and grown. And I took on a position as CFO for that company, and so that company is now poised for for huge growth. So, before we get into more crazy questioning, I, I do have one question. So, you're in South Africa, and you decide you want to come to America. And how do you get somebody to sponsor you? Well, you travel and you visit the country, and you visit your friends, and I have some companies, they were, they were looking for accountants in South Africa. You know, the CPA firms at that time, they used to come to South Africa to recruit. For some reason, they hold South African accountants in high regard. But anyway, so a friend of mine introduced me to the CPA firm, and they offered me a position to work there. And I didn't have any commitments in, in South Africa, and it seemed like a you know great opportunity and a new adventure, and um, that's how that happened. Well, that, that's great. What are the differences between living there in South Africa and living here, not in any manner other than business-wise? I mean, is the accounting system yeah. everything similar, or are, they, are there any differences? Well, South Africa, you know, accounting standards, it's based on the international standards. So South Africa follows European standards very closely. And it's sort of, you know, American standards are very prescriptive. There's, there's almost a standard for, for every single type of law. Obviously, South Africa is less developed. 
So um, the U.S. is a lot more developed, much more competitive because it's a lot more developed. In South Africa, there's a lot more risk, so margins are greater, but, you know, with higher margins, higher returns as well. And then the U.S., I think, is a very liquid market. Things happen very quickly. In South Africa, maybe things, things don't happen at the same pace. Well, what I do remember from my accounting class was GAAP, Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. Yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah. So you came over to America. Now, you said business management software. What are you referring to when you say business management software? Because you started a company that works with that area. What does that mean? So there's a term called ERP software, which stands for Enterprise Resource Planning. And it's, it's kind of a generic term for accounting-based software, but it's more than accounting. It's everything in your business. So it's purchasing, sales, inventory management, HR. So this, these softwares pull everything together. It's one database, and it gives you kind of a snapshot of your whole company, intelligent reporting, dashboards. If you think of very small businesses, when a small business starts, they usually buy QuickBooks. Everybody knows QuickBooks. And then it's the same concept as QuickBooks, but it's got a lot more bells and whistles and a lot more features and functions that everybody in the company, whatever their role is, they can record the transactions in the software. So we, we've become a reseller for Sage software. So the software we sell in Timac business systems called Sage 100 and Sage Intact. And I would say that's um, targeted to small, medium-sized companies. Typically, the clients are anywhere from $5 million to $500 million. And the theme usually, when companies are upgrading, they usually have something like QuickBooks, and they're growing and growing, and it's getting harder for the business owner to manage all that data or remember all that data. So they sort of they need to put structures in place, people in place, systems in place, so that's kind of when you're trying to take that business to the next level, that's the time to upgrade to the type of software that we sell. And then on the very large enterprise, you have softwares like SAP, Oracle. So we're somewhere in the middle between large enterprise and, you know, mom and pop. So what three rules to a business person would you tell them about finance? I mean, obviously, cash flow is very important, right? But what are the three most important yeah. things that you can tell a business owner regarding finance and cash, etc. Well, you know, where we are today in the technology that's available, I would say make sure you have a good software to run your business because the softwares are so, you know, the softwares are so good today that you can get a complete handle and snapshot of your business. You can see your cash flow. You can see your inventory at a glance. You can understand what items are slow moving. You can get so much information if you're entering all the data and you have the right software in place. And if you don't, then, you know, you're going to lose out to your competitors because everybody's taking advantage of good software. So I would say, you know, to manage your cash flow, to manage your inventory, um, looking at your P&L, you don't have to spend hours and hours trying to collate all that data. If you have the right software in place, you can get it all real time. So for me, software is the most important thing to get all of that together. Second would be managing cash flow. You want to have budgets and forecasts. You want to keep those updated and maintained. You know, see that you're on track, that you're not spending above. Make sure you reconcile your bank. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, how many smaller businesses forget about reconciling their bank. There's so much fraud today. 
So, you know, reconcile your bank, you'll get a good understanding of, you know, if everything's okay in your bank and your credit card, and that'll help you with your cash flow, understanding where you're at. Is there any software that can do that for you? For instance, you know, can I just, you know, download my bank statement and it'll, it'll check things out that are, and give me, you know, red lights or alerts or something, or, or do I have to actually manually check it out? That's a great question. You know, a lot of the software can do that. They have what you call bank feeds. It can automatically integrate with your bank and it pulls data from your bank and it matches to the transactions in your accounting software. And, um, you know, where there's not a perfect match, it'll show you, or where there's an issue, it'll show you. So there's very little work you have to do now to reconcile your bank. It's, it's you know, 90% of it is done for you. Also, with the software, there's a lot of AI that they're starting to build in the software, alerts. So, um, you know, if you post a journal entry to, you know, if you, if, if you credit some account that doesn't normally have a credit that, that's an is unusual, you can get an alert about that. And you can get an alert on inventory, you know, values if they're dropping. So, you know, a lot of these softwares now, not sort of at the small end, but moving towards small, medium, they provide all those type of alerts. And will that, that integrate with, so for instance, some of our listeners use Amazon, they're selling products and services, or companies like that. Is there any integration that they can do with that, or are they... Absolutely. So how does yep. that work? Yep. So, you know, when you purchase software, you purchase the core system, you buy modules, and then you can purchase additional integrations. We're kind of not at that point where you can just buy one thing and everything plugs in. So you buy the base software. And then you, you know, you buy all those integrations and most of the software vendors have a marketplace and you can go into that marketplace and purchase different integrations. So you can purchase an integration to Amazon, Shopify, you know, all, all these amazing options. So, you know, you can import your orders from Amazon by purchasing an integration. That sounds great. What is the third and final issue? We went over uh, two of them already. Yeah. What's the last? You know, I would say keep good internal controls in, in your company. And I know it's difficult in a smaller company because, you know, you don't always have the resources. But, you know, one way you can do that is make sure you separate duties within your company. So you, you don't want the same person opening the mail and depositing the checks. You know, so just, just separate the functions within the company. Yeah, just keep, just make people accountable. That'll help you keep security. And if you have any proprietary technology, make sure you patent it. So, well, that's a very interesting question. How does a business owner say, hey, my accountant is embezzling money? I mean, how, how do they know? Well, the best way to find that out is to, is to reconcile your bank. So if you're, if you're reconciling your bank and there are any anomalies, you will find that out. But you're right. If you, if you have one person who's managing the full function of cash management, it actually can be very difficult. It's not easy. I mean, I've seen, you know, it can happen that you can have an audit and they might not pick it up. But the first thing that an auditor should do is audit the internal controls. So if you have weaknesses in your internal controls, you know, that they will identify. So they might not pick it up in a bank reconciliation, but if there's weaknesses in the way you're, in your procedures and the way you're processing, you know, that should get alerted. Um, just the one other thing that's really important, if you have cloud software or, or logging into a bank, uh, something like two-factor authentication, 
Make sure you enable that. That's, you know, backups, obviously. That's another thing. I've come across companies that didn't have a backup. So make sure you're, you're backing up your data and you have security when you're accessing critical information today. That is, it's painful, but so important to have in place. Well, obviously, would you consider password and passwords to be internal control or, or external or what? That's an internal control. I mean, you may have, you know, you'll have an IT person or an IT company managing that for you. And whether they're internal or external, it, it doesn't really matter. But it's a policy and a procedure that's internal to your company that you should have in place. Our co-host Tracy had a few questions as Robin. I have some more. So, Robin, you're not off the hook. Uh, I'll be coming back to you for cross-examination by the attorney very shortly. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, so I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold off on my questions about the importance of patents. I'll let you take that one, attorney. But I'm going to start with. Um, I'm only going to do the criminal uh, aspects of a patent, and then I'll be taking up with Tracy. But go ahead. I, I would like to start with when an entrepreneur is very first starting out. Um, you know, I think we always talk a lot about how important it is to build a good foundation for to scale the business, and one of those things that we always recommend is that they set their financial health foundation up right from the start. Can you talk through some steps around the best ways to do that? For example, having a separate bank account, having an LLC or an S-Corp, um, just really how if an entrepreneur was getting ready to start a business, what is the best way to set them up for the most uh, for financial health and a good financial foundation? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a good idea to, um, you know, separate yourself individually from the corporation. So you want to, there's different type of entities. There's a C corporation where, which is more appropriate for larger companies where you have shares, but much more expensive to manage. And then there's, you know, S corporation and LLC corporations that are smaller type of corporations, less expensive, less onerous, less compliance. So when you're starting up, those are probably the type of corporations you want to look at, S-Corporation, LLC. Um, and then if you're a partnership, you know, if you want to look at starting up a partnership, if you're a CPA firm with, with uh, many different partnerships, will become more appropriate. But absolutely, you want to have a separate bank account and separate, you know, the entity from yourself individually because there's also liability. So you don't want to be you know, if you're operating in your own name, then, you know, you're liable. So it's good to keep liability separate from yourself in the corporation. And outside of the liability, too, how about the actual cash flow in terms of having a separate business account versus commingling with personal and business finances? Very, very important because, you know, a lot of small businesses, they don't separate that. And then it becomes really difficult, you know, if, you, if you're trying to do a merger or if you're trying to sell your company and you haven't kept that separate, then it does become very difficult to try and see what's what. And also for, for tax purposes, you know, when you're incurring expenses in your, in your entity, you're more likely, you know, you can deduct those for tax reasons, whereas expenses in your personal, you know, those aren't deductible. But um, so definitely want to, want to have those separate. You know, you want to have a separate credit card, separate bank account for your business. And, uh, you know, if you do make transfers between 
the business and personal, you should record those. And, you know, you have special transaction types to do those recordings where, you know, you can record the due to from. So at any time, you should know what the business owes you personally and what you are, you know, might owe the business. So you, you definitely want to keep track of, of those transaction types. And it becomes very, very important, as I said, you know, if you're ever going to merge or sell your company, you want to have those numbers 100% correct. And with the pandemic creating a situation for where a lot of people started working from home, I've always heard that it's a bit of a dicey situation to try to write off a portion of your home office per se. But has that become an easier thing to do now that there's a larger percentage of people who are working remotely or working out of their homes? And if so, what is the best way to, is there a formula of how people can look at their home office expenses? That's a great question. You know, so I don't know yet. So, you know, we've, we've only just submitted the 2021 tax returns. We'll, we'll have to see. But sometimes people are very hesitant to record home office expenses because, you know, there's certain areas that will flag the, the IRS and the home office expense is one of those things. So they have, you know, they, they have their criteria to decide on whether to audit a company or to make inquiries. Office expenses is one of those areas. So I know a lot of people will shy away from that. But I, I don't know yet. I would imagine that they are going to have a lot of tax returns with home office expenses, you know, given the trend. I mean, that, that trend is still, is still very much in play. Right. But, we're probably yeah, going to yeah. continue that way. Yeah. I think Go ahead, so. Though. But, no, I was going to say that, you know, the one thing that was interesting, the, during the pandemic, the, the thing that was, for, for us, it was such an incredibly busy time getting all all you know, our clients and a lot of other clients into the cloud. So, you know, suddenly everybody wanted to have software and they wanted to have their whole business accessible in the cloud. So there was a huge migration of companies, you know, that may have been, you know, they were working in the office, took all their software and all their applications into the cloud. But it is amazing oh, technology right. because the technology is such an enabler because now you can work from anywhere. You know, exactly. your emails, right. and in, emails in the cloud, software's in the cloud, banking, everything. Right. I mean, our company produces podcasts, and we do it virtually with engineers in the studios, and people can record from anywhere in the world. So they don't even have to be limited to going into a physical studio anymore. It's amazing what technology has done yeah. for businesses. Um, yeah. One other thing about the, the tax return, obviously, make sure your tax return is correct, then you don't have to worry about anything. But you know, if when you are doing your tax return, just look at prior years, look at the last year and maybe the year before and see where, you know, just see that there's consistency. And if there's not consistency, just make sure you're able to justify it because that's, that's how the, uh, you know, that's how the IRS select um, returns to audit. They will look for certain anomalies. You know, if cost of goods sold is usually a certain percentage of revenue and, and it kind of increases dramatically you know, they're going to think, well, you know, what's going on? Are you suddenly trying to put through additional expenses? So, you know, have a look at your tax return across prior years and see if there's consistency. And if there's not, that's okay. It, you know, it could well be legitimate and just make sure that, you know, you can easily talk to it, justify it. Well, 
Another result of the last, and I don't know how much of this has necessarily contributed to the pandemic as much as it is, I think, to your point, technology and other people's desire to work remotely and be flexible, but there's been a really large surge in people launching online course programs and teaching the teachers, uh, so to speak. So how much of those types of things, and edu- are they considered educational expenses if you're an entrepreneur and you are taking online courses? Are those considered tax deductions? How do those fall in terms of the criteria for being able to write off these programs that people are starting to teach online so frequently? Yeah, no, absolutely. For any type of education that you're doing to improve yourself and, and um, you know, potentially improve the revenue in your company is considered continuing education. So, you know, all companies have educational expenses and continuing education. So, yep, that's definitely would be considered a tax deduction. Generally, the, you know, the tax rule is that if you are incurring expenses in order to further your revenue, and it's pretty wide, but if you're, you know, any type of expense that you're incurring to improve your company and improve your revenue is considered a tax deduction. So if you're incurring, you know, expenses, you may think it's personally to improve yourself, but, but if the underlying reason is really to improve the prospects of your company and, you know, improve yourself so that you can further develop your company, that's definitely you should put that expense through your company. And now that live events are back in swing and people are now attending in-person conferences, is the entire expense of going to an in-person conference, let's say for educational purposes, is that also like even the travel and hotel and everything like that? Is that all considered part of that package as well? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. So, for example, you know, we have a conference every year for Sage Software, and as resellers, we're required to attend those conferences, and that's 100% attributable to the business and, and growing our business and growing revenue. So that's all tax deductible from, um, from the travel, accommodation, cost of the conference, definitely. Now, if it's a conference that you're, you know, attending for a... Um, for personal and it's not related to your business, well, you know, if it's a holiday vacation unrelated to your business, then it's not deductible. But if you're going to Orlando and you're incurring expense to, to you know, five days is a conference and half a day you go to SeaWorld or, you know, so it's hard to you know what, what's personal. I guess, you know, a very, very small portion for your pleasure would be personal. But the well, I would think too. I mean, you would have to have a half day, just a mental break um, to get, clear your mind from all of the conference um, information exactly. so you could process Absolutely. it, right? As you stroll, Absolutely. as you stroll through the park. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Otherwise, how could you function for your business? <laughs> continuing this conversation around remote working because it's just such a hot topic right now. What do you recommend for entrepreneurs who might be? Moving into that digital nomad space, do they keep a permanent address in one area and then, um, you know, always resort back to that? Or, you know, it just seems like there are a lot of people right now who are running businesses from RVs and they're running businesses from boats. And um, and yeah. how does that play into and in, in everything really around uh, taxes and, and finances? Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually very interesting. I mean, 
you know, for our website, we, you know, we've always had the, the address, and we still do, of the different locations. But it's changing because, I mean, we used to go out and consult to clients a lot more, so that, that changed. You know, every, everything is online, and it doesn't really matter what the location is. So, you know, what address you have on your website kind of becomes, it's really not that important. So I see less of that. Sometimes people do want to know where you are. It, it's, you know, it just gives them a, a level of comfort and you, you might meet them once and then you never see them again. But, you know, more and more it's becoming, it's becoming less, less relevant. As far as taxes goes, I think, you know, where you are, you know, the taxes are very complicated. It depends, you know, for, for product. Sometimes it depends on the on the shipping location, the receiving location. So that, that does get quite complicated, especially with sales tax. Basically, where you're located for income tax purposes is uh, and where your company is registered, and that's that's where you will that's where you pay your income tax. But definitely, you know, we'll have to see how that play plays out. But you know, the borders are disappearing, and you know, you know, customers are accessible, you know, with internet marketing and they're reachable everywhere. And I mean, if you, you know, if you need to meet them once, you can be on a plane and you can meet them and then support them and it becomes irrelevant where, where they're based. I know. So it's just so have, interesting. It just feels like it's yeah. changing every minute, right? It is. I mean, we used to have four people in our office and then in the pandemic, they, they moved out. Um, they started working from home and they're still working from home. But in our business, I, I used to look at my watch, and if someone didn't make it in at nine o'clock, you know, they were they were quarter nine fifteen. I would think about it a little bit, you know. Now I never think about it. So as long as you know, as long as they're doing a good job and the work gets done, you know, that that's most important. So it changed everything. And even in in Albany Farms, I mean, this is a you know, it's a, it's a company that's that's poised for huge growth. You know, we have a plant in South Dakota. The the CEO is based in Pasadena. I'm in Los Angeles. You know, people are scattered around the country, but it's easy enough to get together when we need to. And um, you know, if if you've got the right software and the right tools, the right communication tools, video conferencing, I think you can almost be more effective. So everything's changed. I mean, definitely, I, I do think that there's a place to get together and to meet in person. But, I mean, you know, that's easy enough to do periodically. But, yeah, things have changed. We have to see how that all, uh, you know, if it sticks. So, Robin, uh, some of the things we want to know. So you, you started this new company, and my understanding is you started it with zero dollars and made it pretty successful. So what are the three things that somebody can do to create a business when they've got nothing uh, and they want to create a business? Yeah, that's, that's well. Yeah. You're on the I'll, spot. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's not it's not easy, but you should do something that you really enjoy because um, I know everyone says that, but it is so true. You can't think about the money. So you know, the money will come. And I know that in you know when I was at that situation, I did have opportunities that paid a lot more money, but it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with technology and finance and help small businesses grow. And so, you know, do something is most important. Do something that you enjoy. Don't worry too much about the money. The money will come if you do something well. And so, you know, I wanted to focus on doing something that I enjoyed and that I could help, you know, other companies and 
and that, that that's always been a passion of mine, you know, in, in my role as starting out in auditing and whenever I worked in a controller, CFO, I wanted to have technology that made my job easy, that I didn't have to do mundane type of redundant data entry. I wanted to automate as much as I could and have dashboards and analytics and tools that I could analyze a business. And so, you know, that makes a CFO much more valuable in a company if you can have those tools to understand what's going on and interpret the business. Or even an owner, it gives you so much power. So that's something that I really enjoyed doing. And, uh, you know, I guess as, as I got more consulting jobs and that grew, you know, luckily that, that money that I got helped me finance, you know, getting an office and then another employee and another employee. And so, you know, I've been doing it for 15 years and it's, it's grown. I've taken great care of my customers. And, you know, your customers, if you take good care of them, they become an extension of your sales team. So I've had a lot of great referrals from customers and, you know, just trying to do the best work I can always do. But I will say that if you, you know, shouldn't underestimate the power of marketing because right now we have such great tools to do internet marketing that can help you to reach customers. But that does cost money. It's an investment. And then we're doing a lot more of that now. But it is difficult when you don't have money. <laughs> you know? It always yeah, takes money to make money. But, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But if you know the vision and uh, you have conviction and, and it's something you enjoy, you, you have, you know, I would say go for it. So if people want to get a hold of you, how do they reach you? Our website is timeacinc.com. Spell that. T-I-M-A-C-I-N-C.com. And that's an A, time Mac. I have to be careful about my accent. A for Apple. <laughs> yeah. It sounds kind of like Apple, Mac, but okay. Yeah. And I'll tell you how I got that name, because the, the, the service that we provide, there's two attributes in accounting and auditing that are most important. The data that you're looking at, reports that you're looking at, should be timely and accurate. And if it's timely and accurate, you can make good decisions about your company. So... That's how we got the name Timac, Timely Inaccurate. Well, that's very interesting. Uh, that's such a great way to wrap up. And for those of you who are listening live, uh, this will be released as a podcast. And uh, we would love for you Could to I? check out the Ask Brian podcast on wherever you uh, listen to your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify. And uh, Robin, do you have a parting thought for us? Um, you know, just, just, uh, I would say, um, employ the best technologies, do what you love doing and, and go for it. Well, we do have about 45 seconds left. So the, the question is, and if I can mention, oh, sorry, well, let, let me, let me mention also Albany Farms because that is a very exciting company. And, uh, just for the viewers, if they want to learn more about that company, they, are they're going to be the largest. And then that was a client and now I'm the CFO of that company. And they are going to be one of the largest manufacturers of uh, ramen noodles. That is a very exciting company. It's uh, Albany, A-L-B-A-N-Y, farms.com. So, you know, they're innovating. They're looking at new ways of uh, manufacturing ramen noodles. They also have the latest technology, the newest equipment, and, uh, you know, trying to bring sort of, you know, trying to introduce some healthier 
ramen to to the market as well. So please, uh, you know, to the viewers, have a look at that website as well. Thank you very much, Tracy. Thank you very much, Robin. Thank you very much. We'll have it back on again, Robin. You've been very insightful. We have more information that we want to get out. But thank you very much. Listen to KHS 1220, 98.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.